The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I'm Sapphire My pronouns are him, his, and he. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers! Okay, so what are we drinking today? We bought ourselves a new whiskey. I love new whiskey days. Yeah, and it's from our favorite distiller, Bouchlades. This is Progressive Hebridian Distillers. This is our Islay Barley from 2011. And what makes this one unique is this is a province Islay Barley. So they use six farms in the province to collect the barley with the thinking of this is a distinct Islay whiskey because of the way the sea salt air comes across the different depths of the farms based on where their location is. Oh, okay. And the soils that are in those farms, how they affect the barley, because this distillery only does barley, and they are highly regarded on the types of barley that they choose. I see. So it's always from Islay. It's It's not from any place else. And so one of the things that they do is this 2011 is distilled in spirits that have matured in a mix of 75% fresh bourbon casks, okay? And 25% of the time is the second and third casks that they transfer to. So they have three caskings that they do on this batch. The 25% of the time is in a sweet white wine cask with some of the world's greatest sweet wine estates that they use. Interesting. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So they're using bourbon and they finish it with the wine, which I think is why they talk about there might be floral notes in this. Interesting. And this is what they consider a vibrant terror whiskey. And, you know, whiskeys change based on the distiller, you know, the whiskey master's choice of... Changing casts, obviously, and then adding, you know, whether they have the barrels charred or they have them in a sherry cask or a bourbon right. cask, whatever, right? But their claim is the casts are important, but the terror, that's what they're focused on, is the terror of the region affects the barley, then affects the whiskey. Interesting. You know, we like their laddie, so. The laddie was a light whiskey, too. This also is a very so this light This is a color. very light kind of a. Got a hint of gold. Light gold. Yeah. Very light nose. Light nose, but you can smell, I smell like a little bit of sea sweetness. I don't know what that is yet, though. I get like a fruity nose. Like a floral? Or, or like floral. fruit? No, it's fruitish. Wow. I the, can't tell. The legs are fantastic on this. Yeah, it's got great legs. Like really great legs. Oh, wow. 
And it's unpeated. Yeah, there's not a lot of peat in it. I think of this as a wide rather than a deep whiskey. Wide. Yes, yeah. I do it, think I so I feel too. like it has width in that it has lots of flavors in it. A lot of complexity but, in the width of it. Yes. In that sip, but you know. It doesn't feel like it has depth. So this is neat. Let's try some water in it because okay. I think we know how these whiskeys open up. It brings more of a nose? metallic nose. Really? Yeah, like iron oh, yeah, filings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Like the, you know, the rings on the barrels? Yeah. If you've ever used a, a rasp on iron, you mm -hmm. sort of get that, that aroma of like the burning iron. Yeah, there's a smokiness to it. Mm. Now, it's interesting. With the water, it has width and depth. Yeah. Do you see that? Change. Yeah. So it has a longer finish. Yeah. With the water, it has a longer finish. Yeah. You get more of the fullness of the flavor of the whiskey, which is... It's, you don't get the separate notes, all no. the separate many notes that were there. No, it feels like a like a full flavor of, like if you had a bowl of cereal, it has mm -hmm. like that sort of odiness to yeah. it. Yeah. It's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, you know, I this is a nine-year whiskey. Yeah, it's lovely. I don't get like the specific things that they talked about on the on the marketing material. Yeah, but, the but terror, there's... it's hard to understand unless we tried a lot more barley whiskeys. Yeah, but I definitely get that there's fruity notes and there's oaty notes and there's like this, this note aroma of like the iron filings. And they all sort of blend together to make a really wide, deep whiskey. So I, I get the fruity, which I can't discern yet what yeah. the fruity is. But I get a little bit towards the end when it finishes, a little bit of butterscotch. There is a little bit of a sense of butterscotch. I get that. Yeah, mm. just a little sweetness at the Even end. Even if you swish it in the front of your mouth with your tongue, mm. where your sweet taste buds are, you can taste that very, very slight. It's like butterscotch. But fruit-wise, I can't figure out what the fruit is. I feel like it's desiccated peaches. Mm. That's how it occurs to me. Mm. You know, like a peach cobbler. Yeah. Now, now, when I did that in the front of my mouth, yeah. while I'm tasting the butter, I was thinking of what I was tasting fruit. Yeah, peaches. I think that's close. But there's definitely something that happens to me in the back of my mouth, not in my throat, in my mouth, that has like this sort of cereal quality. Really? Yeah, it's interesting. It's the barley probably. It has to be. Yeah. And this is much different than their laddie. It is. It's the way classic, different. It's totally different. It's yeah. a totally different take. What I, what I love about Scotch whiskeys is these are all single malt scotches that we're trying. Yes. And I love the single malts. They're just so specific, but they're all such beautiful whiskeys. Yeah, and you're not, and you know, I'm not telling us or trying to say that I wouldn't have a peaty right. scotch. I would have one. It would have to be the right one, but I would have one. But what I like about the unpeated is we really taste the breadth and depth of the whiskey. You aren't competing with the peat yes. to find the whiskey. Well, the peat brings its own It has its own profile. Own profile, yeah. Yeah, I get that. But peat often disrupts what I'm trying to taste in the whiskey. But I do love this. I do love this whiskey. This is a good one, honey. It's lovely. Yeah. All right. Two quick points before we jump into chapter 14. Yes. Point number one, I love having sex with you on uh, high protocol days. I love it. I like, love I it. I love it. It's just a mental mind fuck that is unbelievable. So amazing. It completely transports me into another experience of being alive. I, know. I always know it. I mean, I, I realize you're in dog space, but, and I probably have an expression too. I mean, I don't know. You see me yes. when I'm in subby 
but I see you when I when you have me moving around and changing positions yeah. in your dom, and it you have a like from regular play scenes where you're you're in dom space, but it's not heavy protocol dom. Right. Compared to when we do protocol type play, and you're in deep in dom space, I can see it. You're there, but not there. Like you're. Very, Your whole face has an expression that is completely different on protocol days. Yeah, it's very primal. Like I oh, don't. Oh yeah, you're. It's I don't business. have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a touch in reality in that moment. You, well, you don't look like it. No, I'm not. Because you aren't. You don't distinguish my expressiveness or anything. No. Not that you're ignoring it. You. It's just not registered. Yeah. You're in your own space, and it's completely. it's magic. It's magic. You know, when we did that workshop with the, well, maybe it wasn't the workshop, but we did something with Priestess. Oh, when all the people were interviewing us? Yeah. And she talked a lot about reciprocal neurons. Yes. And like as deep as you go into subspace, I go that deep into dom space. I was considering that too when we talk about that often. And I feel this way. Like, we have this energy we talk about between us. Yeah. The energy was intense while you were flogging me, preparing me for Kane, right? Yes. And I feel that energy is like a yin-yang kind of thing happening. Like, almost pulsing back and forth. It's reciprocal. And reciprocal in the sense that as much as I'm in sub, you're in dom. And it's like yes. that. So, I experience it like that. That's how it occurs for me, too. I definitely get completed with the seed and I'm stoned out of my mind. Yes. No, I definitely am. It's yeah. quite remarkable. Yeah. And so you always complete our scenes taking a little nap on the yeah. couch. Yeah. And I complete our scenes drinking a glass of whiskey. Yeah. Or bourbon or yeah. something. Yeah. Or not bourbon, but rye. Yeah. And it takes me that long to come down to where I can actually interact and be thoughtful and have access to my consciousness. Yeah, yeah. It's quite remarkable. It's a really beautiful experience. Yeah, and <laughs> it's what we want to share with you in our workshop. Yeah. It's what we want to share with you. We want you to get what it took us to get where we are. Because where we are is a magical place. Yes. And so I'm just going to say a very short thing because we've talked about it in almost every podcast lately. Register in yeah. the What's in Your Kinky Toolbox, your kinky toolbox webinar on December 3rd, 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. And you can register on FetLife by accessing either Saffir Master or Lady Petra's profile and look at our events. It's the only event that's there. Click it. Or you can also go to Dating Kinky and uh, select their events yeah. location on their page and scroll down to you find December 3rd and... Select us and sign up. It'll be the best hour you spend. It really will be. <laughs> yeah. All right, chapter 14. Yeah, this chapter is short, extremely short. A page and a half. And it's just about her associating with the red shoes to a dream she had about a sports car that was red, and Gordon keeps trying to tie the shoes back into an older man. Yeah, he does. She associates the red shoes by her own story with a butch, lesbian, dominatrix... Welfare officer. Well, a, a military welfare officer. Yeah, yeah. 
who straps her breasts close and who accuses her of having her breasts hang who out. Who goes into the men's lavatory when she's drunk. Yes. So she associates the red shoes with that, which, mm-hmm. which has me wonder about her own sexuality. Well, it, you know, first of all, she gets the shoes. These are the same shoes that he took her into the alley and raped her and right. she had ruined. So she took him to a cobbler and she made a big deal about explaining how long it took, almost six weeks to get her shoes Restored. repaired. Right, you know, right. and they couldn't find the same leather so they ended up doing a suede leather rosettes in the places where the scuffs were so bad. But she really wanted those shoes back because those shoes reminded her of the um, female officer experience with her yeah yeah but also that she felt i think she felt daring and naughty in those shoes because she wore them with her uniform when they got to go dancing so she's still in her uniform but she's got these hot red shoes on right they're kind of daring and mischievous and she's putting her sexuality out there on her feet you know she made claims and she brings in a new character this other yeah this other officer dent dent who's this not very attractive human being, but somehow has his way with women. Well, and she kind of references that to Gordon, like, you know, basically like, you're not very attractive, and you have your way with women, and this guy did it, and I told him no, and he never asked me again. Right. There was some kind of taunt with that. Yeah, she's getting a little bit bold. Yeah, and she told him up on no uncertain terms as they were getting up from sitting on the bench talking as she's exclaiming all this information about her shoes, how lovely they are, that we won't be walking in grass and we won't re- destroy these shoes again. Almost like I said earlier, a gesture to her telling him, you're not going to assault me today because I have my shoes on. Right. You know, basically using the shoes as the excuse, but basically right. he kind of ignored that, the way he responded. But I thought it was a powerful moment for her. Like yes. Taking her back her agency. Yes. At the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a lot in this chapter. No. Not about him, not about her. Yeah. Just a nod to her claiming her agency. Well, and again, when you talk about the lesbian officer, so our protagonist, our female yeah. in this is, she keeps fixating. It keeps coming up again and again, like people noticing whether she's beautiful or right. she fixates on whether Gordon will acknowledge her beauty. And she right. made note of this, even if that lady specifically saying that she said out loud, well, I'll let you get away with these shoes because your feet are so pretty. Right. She doesn't really care where she's getting the acknowledgement from. Yeah. She just really desperately wants validation which is which brings me to her story is she's competing with her mother and so she wants to be what she saw her mother who had men fawning over her right and she wants that validation although she doesn't see herself as that no she doesn't see herself as beautiful but she wants people to acknowledge that for her because that's her story Yeah, yeah it's amazing yeah it's interesting, you know, I'm trying to transport myself back into that time frame. Mm-hmm. So it's the 40s, it's after the war, yeah. there's a degree of misogyny that's just part of the construct, mm-hmm. and there's this emerging sexuality of these women who found some new freedom in the military. I definitely think during that time, the yeah. women that entered the military, no matter where their position was, yeah. misogyny is still the same. Yes, However, women had 
a way to express their power sexually. Newly. Newly. Yeah. In that in that yeah. arena. Yeah. Women that were stateside home didn't have the same experience. No. That was the key. Although Rosie the Riveter was kind of a, in America. Yeah. But but that's Rosie the Riveter without men around because they're right. doing that alone. That's that's empowerment in women being able to do things. But I'm talking sexual power. Yeah, that was more in England. Yeah, it came from women that were in the military. Well, it could yeah. have been America too, but women in the military. Right. Because of the way you're isolated and trying to figure out sex partners and right. things like that, that people were a little freer with sex. It wasn't right. the '60s, but the reality is that's what was kind of happening. And then For if sure. you look at movies in the future like mash i mean you can see the progression happening in that instance of where people are starting to just let's just have well i mean I, I mean just consider like have your war husband right that's what people did they were sent off to war and they'd have a war husband like an yeah. like a work husband yeah and then they come back after all time's done to their actual partner right you know there's a really great series called Band of Brothers on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's a scene in there where these American and British flying officers are, like, really, like, hitting it up with these women in the bars, mm -hmm. and they're having sex with them. Yeah. And then they're going off to war, and a lot of them are dying and being captured as prisoners of war. Yeah. And the way the scene unfolds is there's a dry cleaner who's taking care of the men's uniforms. <laughs> and then, you know an officer comes to pick up his dry cleaning and the person asks him, can you bring all these other ones back that didn't come back? And so oh. there's there's like a very specific experience of uncertainty yeah. that these women are having where they literally express themselves sexually with men they may never see again. And well, so you see like a heightened sense of sexual self-awareness amongst the women of the war at that time don't you also and this think is true for her, for sure. That women also in that, and just women, but I mean, but that's often the women weren't the ones going to war often. It was right. the men. Right, And so I've seen this in movies before where women have been like saying things like, well, I don't know if he's coming back. Right. So what happens is too, it's it's like having a drink, being uninhibited. Right. So why not be un uninhibited? Because I'm probably never going to see this person again. Right, exactly. That's kind of what we get to in normal society when people have one night stands. Right. People think, you know, maybe... The guy or the woman goes in saying, this is just a one night, this is it. Not yeah. like I'm going to contemplate it later. Like, I'm not going to actually, I'm actually leaving the state and I'm not going to see this person. Right. And so they do, or they reflect back and say, oh, it was phenomenal, this one night stand. Well, what happened is, is whether it was really phenomenal or not, is neither here nor there. Because what happens probably is people are, are operating on a more authentic level less inhibited yes closer to their authenticity yes in expressing themselves sexually because they yeah. don't they don't have the worry or the concern of looking good or worrying about any of that because they're like i won't see you again right i'm just having an epiphany now yeah this is giving me access to ways people throughout the years have been free to have sex in a constrained environment yes I wouldn't agree, I wouldn't say alcohol is a good way to have sex, but I'm just saying like people, alcohol. people like to say that. But what I specifically am saying is you're going to go into a bar and you're just going to go fuck someone and you're really, you're not looking for a relationship. You're just going to fuck someone and that's it. And you're not going to run into them again because you're in a different town. You're a traveling right. person, right? You can do tons more. Yeah. But what we're giving access to in the coaching that we're talking about in the future 
is you can have that with an existing partner. Right. And I, I don't mean to tie that all in, but I, but I'm becoming privy to that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. Chapter 14 is interesting because it's not a sexual chapter, but yet it gestures at sexuality in a lot of different ways. It gestures yeah. at sexuality with this unknown character. It gestures to sexuality with Gordon. It gestures sexuality with this woman. There's like a lot of like overt and also covert sexuality in the chapter. Yeah, and I'm also aware that women, um, I'm a shoe whore basically, so I often will buy shoes first that are fantastic because I want them to fit well on my feet as well as look beautiful. And then I'll find an outfit to match my shoes. It's not the other way around. I wondered about that listening yeah. to this about. No, I totally find shoes first. Yeah. I'm yeah. known for this. You know, like Nine West or, you know, I don't, I can't afford all the Kate Spade and stuff. But right. but also, some of the higher designers just don't fit my type of foot. I have a very right. specific foot. And so, there's certain designers I like. And so, I'll buy a shoe and know that that heel or whatever I'm getting fits perfectly. And I'll be able to dance in it. I'll be able to walk in it for yeah. long periods. And then I'll go create an outfit out of it. Sure. And she was really fixated on her shoes. Yeah. How how she loves them before they got scuffed, right. and then even with the rosettes put on she them, she got them fixed. She got them fixed. Right. She loves them again, and that she's wanting men to notice her shoes yeah. and her feet. Yeah. As an she ex- actually commented about that. Yes. Like, why haven't you commented about my shoes? Yeah. yeah. She wants because if you comment about shoes, it, it people women often take that as a reflection of their feet too. I don't know why women or do themselves, but they do right, and so. Women are very geared that way often. Yeah. And men are usually obtuse on that and don't, they don't care. They. I wouldn't say obtuse, more oblivious. Oblivious maybe, but yeah. just they're not connected with whether you're wearing something or not. Like, right. it, you know, you can be naked, you're sexy. You could wear something, you're sexy. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> and it's not that they're out of touch of it. Their priorities are different. Exactly. No, I think there's something very specific about a shoe fetish. Like, I really do. Yeah, so then there's men that like shoe fetish and pay attention to shoes, and that's a whole other construct. But she was hoping Gordon would make a comment. She was going back to the rape and thinking, he raped me, he knows I wore these, he knows he destroyed these. Right. I've had them in the cobbler, and now I'm wearing them. Right. Does he have a comment about that? Right. I think that she has a shoe fetish. Oh, of course. I have yeah. a shoe fetish, yes. Of course you do. Yes. Right? I think she has a shoe fetish, and I think that this is a chapter about a shoe fetish. I think so, too. Don't you? Yes. I really I do, because I was like, wow, that's definite. She's re- All we talked about the whole chapter was her shoes. Exactly. <laughs> right? That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!